I'm Sandy Swallow. I'm Okalala Lakota and Northern Cheyenne. I've been an artist for over 30 years and through my artwork have portrayed my heritage. Now I'm starting a brand new venture called Lakota Link and I'm here to share with you and I hope you enjoy it. Lakota Link. Greetings from the home of the Seven Council Fires, land of the 1868 Fort Laramie Treaties, bringing stories old and new of Lakota values, courage, respect, wisdom, to name a few. I'm sitting here looking out, and it's cloudy day, but we need the rain, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> I thought my this podcast I would name Swallow Tales, and the reason I want to name it that is because these are uh, stories that I I learned as a young woman, and also as a married woman, and I thought. I would share it with you. First, I'm going to begin with having coffee on the Pine Ridge Reservation. And this this is true. I I went to live with my Aunt Joe and Uncle Bud. And Uncle Bud was a big, tall cowboy. He, he wasn't native, but he had a heart of gold. And I remember he'd get up early in the morning. They, they had a, it was like a little wood stove only we called it a trash burner where you know you'd put little pieces of wood in it and it'd warm up the kitchen he was always a real early riser and so he'd get up and and warm that up and so when aunt joe would get up to cook breakfast it'd be nice and warm and he had this coffee pot on there and i call he called it cowboy coffee because it was a big old pot, and he would add grounds and water to it, and it would simmer, and and it'd be simmering all day long. Then if somebody happened to come, the first thing they asked was, would you like a cup of coffee? And so that was kind of how you was greeted at Aunt Joe and Uncle Bud's. Back to um, Gra- Grandpa Oliver and... Uncle Bud batching. Uh, when I say batching, if you're from a ranch or farm community, you kind of know what I mean. And and that's uh, when the wife is gone and the husband has to fend for himself. And they used to kind of call it the batching line. Or, so then the men had to fend for themselves. And, um, you know, this was back in the day when like Aunt Joe absolutely did all the cooking and cleaning and washing and uh usually there was a lot of people she had to cook for but when the kids got old enough to go to school at Oryx that was oh I don't know I'm gonna say 20 miles 17 miles away and back then you know you didn't uh go back and forth a whole lot unless you had to and but so she would go into Oryx to town and stay with the kids, and Grandpa and Uncle Bud would batch, and I can just kind of imagine them. 
because I know I know when I was little, Aunt Joe had kerosene lanterns, and I can just imagine them sitting by the table and telling stories. and And this is one way that Uncle Bud learned of all the stories. So there's another how the swallow tales came about. Well, I learned a lot from him because uh, he he tended to be more interested in history than Aunt Joe, and actually my dad wasn't interested either. It, it just wasn't something that he uh, talked about. So um, I, I consider how I got a lot of my information was from my Uncle Bud and my great-uncle Ben Swallow. So here, here's what happened. Oh, probably about 25 or 30 years ago, I went, my husband and I went to Fort Laramie, and they had a celebration uh, of the treaties, and we went over there, and I, I set up a table under a tree and uh, had my, I, I was just starting out with getting note cards and making jewelry and starting more on my art career, and I was sitting there, and this lady walked by, and she looked at my name, Sandy Swallow, and she said, um, you aren't happen to be related to Eli Swallow, are you? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am. That was my great-grandfather. And she said, well, did you know he was stationed here? And I had no idea. I knew that he he was in the service, and I knew some of the history, but I had no idea he was at Fort Laramie. And to come to find out, she was like the cur- curator or historian of Fort Laramie at that time and was so gracious that she asked me if I'd like to come up into the archives and she would show me information about him. So I went up there and and found out that he he was there at Fort Laramie. He was there earlier, uh, before the treaties. He was there in um, 1865. And so I'm going to start my swallow tales with him because people often think swallow, sandy swallow, and think of the bird. But actually, it was not the bird. He, Eli Swallow, was born in Louisiana, and he was French. And his name was translated to swallow. So, So that makes my great-grandfather all French. And when he was there at, at Fort Laramie, apparently he saw my uh, great-grandmother, Lizzie Ayotte, who was Rosebud from Rosebud Sioux. And I'm not sure how that came about, but they fell in love. And I do know that Grandpa Swallow told Uncle Bud that um, when it came to getting married, Eli had to go before the tribal council uh, 
and ask permission to marry her, and he had to also go before his commanding officer and ask permission. And it was said that um, he had to pay horses for her. I don't know how many horses, but anyway, that's that's the family history and family story of what happened. So they moved and ended up after he he was uh, in the service, and and I'll tell you a little more about that. Actually. During the Civil War, what happened if if the Confederates were caught by the Union, they were given a choice, and the choice was you can either um, you can spend the duration of the Civil War, which nobody knew for sure when that was going to be the duration in federal prison, or you can uh, go back west to the Dakota Territory and fight Indians. Well, great-grandpa Eli chose to, he had to join the Union then, and he chose to go back west, and and that's how he ended up at Fort Laramie. The, there's a book that is written by um, D. Brown, who was a great historian scholar, and the book was called Galvanized Soldiers. Galvanized Soldiers, you know, galvanized is gray. So the soldiers were in the Confederacy, but they changed to being in the Union. And I got that book and kind of followed. uh, I got some from the archives in Washington, D.C. This was back over 30 years ago, I sent away, got the his war records and where he, he signed up and then where he was mustered in. Mustered in means he joined the Union. And so I thought, well, you know, with that book, I kind of went through there and saw where his battalion and, and how he ended up at Fort Laramie. And this was about three years before the treaty, so he wasn't there during the treaties, but apparently apparently there was a lot of Indians in, around the area, and, and that's how he, he uh, found my great-grandmother. So they eventually settled in Oryx, South Dakota. Now, Oryx is a little town now, but at one time it was quite a prosperous town, and it's kind of not too far away from the Nebraska border, and so it's kind of on the southwest corner of South Dakota, and that's where my my grandpa Oliver Swallow and my dad Woody Swallow, that's kind of where they grew up or had knew the people there really well and stuff. And I think my grandpa, Oliver Swallow, actually worked for my grandpa Eli Swallow because Eli, although he was illiterate, which I find really interesting to think how his life turned out with that fact that he was illiterate because he became a prosperous businessman and he um, 
ended up having a big ranch, was one of the big ranchers, and um, there at Oryx, and would uh, ship out his cattle to Omaha. And then he ended up by, um, I don't know if he built the store or if he purchased it, but it was called Swallow Mercantile Store, and it was right down Main Street, Oryx, South Dakota. It's still there. I have pictures of it with uh, buggies in front of it, and, and it says Swallow Mercantile. And then he also built a hotel, and it was called the Swallow Hotel. I, th- I guess it did burn down. When I think about um, Grandpa Eli and think that uh, I was told that he was orphaned at the age of nine and how difficult his life must have been being in Louisiana and then joining the Confederacy. And, you know, he was young, so I'm sure it was a great adventure, but there had to have been a great deal of hardships when he got caught and was made to make that choice. But um, when he became an elder and he was there in Oryx, it was kind of during the Depression. And Uncle Ben uh, told me this story that when he was little, uh, people would come into the store and nobody had any money. Uh, Everybody kind of was in the same boat. But they needed supplies, and so they would make a trade with Grandpa, and the trade would usually be produce like eggs or um, milk or cream or butter. And he said he remembers as a little boy, uh, the butter would get rancid, and so it was no good. It was useless. Grandpa couldn't sell it to anybody, and Uncle Ben would take that butter behind the store and there'd be big barrels and he would burn it. And I thought, well, gee, he, uh, Grandpa was kind of kind-hearted because uh, to do that for the people, for his neighbors and, and the people there in Oryx. To, and consequently, he he ended up really having dip financial difficulties after the depression, but that that was no different than everybody else, I, I guess. One thing I remember when I was a little girl, and I think I was about second or third grade, and it's when you we used to have show and tell, and we'd you know bring something important to us, and I remember I just felt so special because my dad had this hundred dollar Confederate bill and I got to take it to school and I remember my teacher kind of asking me about it and I had no idea I it I knew that it wasn't real money at that time but um now I think well he had to have gotten that from his grandpa Eli Swallow Eli Swallow was kind of a very interesting man I have a picture of him and him and my great-grandmother, Lizzie Iot, ended up splitting ways. And she 
took some of the younger kids, three of the younger kids, back to Rosebud to her tribe with her. But the older kids, which my grandpa was one of the oldest ones, uh, stayed at the Oryx area with their dad. And so at Rosebud, we have some relatives. Instead of taking the name Swallow, they took the name Swally. So I have relatives there at, at Rosebud. Eli was, I guess, must have been quite a charming man because he ended up marrying more than three times. And his second wife was named, her name was uh, Juliet Garnier. And she was my great uncle Ben's Swallow's mother. And they had quite a few kids too. But Uncle Ben, he was a railroad man and he lived down in Chadron. And when we lived on the farm, we used to go down there and and uh, buy groceries or get farm parts or go to the doctor. And him and Aunt Louise was always very welcoming. And, and they just I don't know. It was just fun to talk to them. They were quite elderly at that time, and and he kind of had hearing problems. But they, you know, they were always glad to see us. And and here we come with you know our young family. And so, but I wanted to ask him questions because I was actually eight years old when my grandpa Oliver Swallow passed on. And I never really got to know him. We had moved away for a while and would only come back very occasionally. And and so I didn't remember him. But Uncle Ben, I was a young wife and with little kids when I got to know him well. And so I'm going to share some stories with you about him, about what Uncle Ben said. Uncle Ben said that when he he was just a little boy, and I'm not sure how old he was, but he remembered um, being in a buggy with his mom and his dad, which had been Eli Swallow, and they was going on a ride, and they was going to town. And he said they stopped the buggy, and there was a tree, and a little stream, a little creek, and they told him, now you sit down here and you stay and you wait for us and don't leave, don't move, just stay here. And and so he did, and for him it just seemed like a real long time. And when they came back, she was carrying a baby, and she says, oh, look what I found down at the creek. And he said, for the longest time, he thought babies came from the creek. And I thought that was cute. Good story. And um, the other story he told, and, and some of my traditional friends who have told me that they didn't think this was true, but um, Uncle Ben wasn't like one of those people that told tall tales. He you know, he was pretty factual on what he said. And so I believe this happened. It might not have been the norm, but it happened. 
anyway, his his mom was having another baby, but he's older, and she was having difficulties with her uh, labor. And Grandpa Eli got concerned, and he he told Uncle Ben, uh, "I want you to go find the medicine man," because she didn't really want the white doctor; she wanted her medicine man, and. Uncle Ben got on his horse, and it took him a while to find him. And, you know, back then, it wasn't a matter of picking up the phone and and calling and saying, you know, send an ambulance or whatever that was. It, it was all very difficult, and finally he found the medicine man. And they come riding up, and he could see his dad at the door. He had opened the door and they was riding up and and Grandpa says, oh, you know, everything's just fine. Yeah. And told the medicine man, you, you really didn't need to come. And the medicine man said, well, um, he, he wanted payment. And Eli says, no, uh, because remember, Eli Lou was a businessman. And he says, no, uh, she's fine. The baby's fine. Everything's fine. So, And the medicine man says, that's because my medicine worked across the miles. And you still need to pay me. And Eli ended up paying him. And I think it was probably because he didn't want bad medicine. He wanted wanted to have good medicine in his life. So so I thought those two stories were very unique. And those are kind of the stories that will be lost if we don't put them down. Because now not a whole lot of people know that story. So that's part of the swallow tales. And I'm just thinking about some of the other people that I'm I'm going to have on on the podcast and and also you know I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh my grandpa Oliver Swallow and then my mom and dad on future podcasts you know I will also get into my other side of the family, my mom's side, which is the Mills, it, they have a real rich history too, and and those just shouldn't be lost. These these stories. So, with the podcasts coming up, I I really encourage you to tune in if you find something interesting you want to hear about. One of them's going going to be about. It's Dr. Tiffany Hale, and she's from New York City, and and how that came about, me interviewing somebody from New York was, she happened to be uh, on doing research on Alex Adams, which was my great-grandfather on my mom's side, and she came across the fact that I had put on, put on my website, sandyswallowgallery.com, a picture of him when uh, he was with my mom and and two of her cousins. And so because she had, was doing this research paper on him, she gave me a call and 
we got acquainted. She's a young lady and going through this quarantine deal in New York City, which is quite a different experience than what we're having here in South Dakota. So I thought you'd find that interesting on her perspective on what's happening. And and it was a good interview. And then I have one with Ashley Puyer, and she is the curator of Red Cloud Heritage Center down in Pine Ridge. And she's Okalala Lakota and a young woman that has really been well-educated and built up a reputation, a good reputation of of the uh, exhibits that she has there at Red Cloud. You know, Red Cloud is actually one of the uh, premier shows in the Northern Plains, for Northern Plains Tribal Arts, uh, she, one of the premier shows and has been going for over four, 40 years. And Ashley has a little bit of her perspective on um, how she the quarantine is affecting her there at Pine Ridge, which is a totally different view than what is with Tiffany Hale. So those are just a couple of the shows that our podcast that I'll be bringing you and I think you'll find them interesting and you know when you decide to kind of look into your history and and you're wondering about your um, ancestors and the generations before you because we're all products of that you know in one way or another we've been taught by our our own folks you know our views then to find out who your who the generations were before us, uh, it's like a puzzle, and each piece ha- kind of fits into this big picture, and that's how I look at it. You know, the picture of the swallow tails, which is my dad's side, and then later on I'll share with you some of my my mom's side and. What was amazing was that my mom and dad grew up like 40 miles apart on the Pine Ridge Reservation and never knew each other and only got acquainted when they were in Portland, Oregon during World War II. And that's quite a story. It's quite a love story. So these are just things to tell you I'm going to be sharing with you. And thank you so much for your time. Well, I hope you enjoyed our segment. You know, I I enjoy visiting with the people. And if you did, go to sandyswallowgallery.com where you can find my artwork and find some history and some background. Please subscribe to it or... If you have some comments, we would love to hear your opinion. This is a new adventure for us, and I value your opinion. This song is written and sung by my good friend, Quincy Goodstar. Lakota Link is here to share Lakota values. God bless you on your journey. Wopila. Thank you for joining us. Take care.